God bless you, my beloved. It's Minister S.N. Crockett Jr. with Jesus Christ, our Lord Christian Fellowship with our weekly program, The Truth of the Gospel, The Truth. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. I want to shout every time I say that. The Truth of the Gospel. We know that the truth of the Gospel is only found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the wisdom of God. In him dwell all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We bless and, pray and praise uh, his holy and righteous name. We glorify him. And we thank you for being with us tonight. We're going to continue our, our lesson on uh, the gospel according to the Garden of Gethsemane. The gospel according to the Garden of Gethsemane. The gospel according to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, the main point for talking about this for the last few weeks, we're talking about how Jesus, our Lord, submitted himself totally to God's will. Uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he was arrested and betrayed by Judas, uh, he prayed, and I'm going to take you to that passage. <clears throat> it's in Luke. And he prayed and he said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. And when he said cup, he wasn't talking about a cup of something to drink. He was talking about let this what is about to happen, this, this situation at Calvary. He was gonna he was about to be betrayed by Judas and turned over to the Roman the Jewish authorities and then to the Roman authorities and then to be crucified. And the Bible says that he that he despised the shame. He despised the shame of Calvary. But because he loves us so much, he went to the cross to die for our sins. Of course God bodily raised him from the dead. So we're gonna pray then we're going to go into Luke, and then I'm going to talk to you tonight uh, from a passage in Philippians where Paul talked about the joy of submitting totally to God so that God, through Jesus Christ, can be glorified in our lives. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, we bless you, we praise you. We thank you for the privilege of mentioning your name, the name of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to whom be glory, power, majesty, and dominion, both now and forever. We ask that you... Speak through us, Lord. Use us as a result of this preaching and teaching and preaching and teaching all over the world. We pray that gifts and fruit of the Holy Spirit would be manifested according to your good, acceptable, and perfect will. We bless you and we praise you. We, we pray that you will save those who need to be saved and that you will strengthen those who are already disciples of your dear son, Jesus, and need to be further built up in the faith. We thank you, Lord God. Blessed be your name. You're the only true and living God. All other gods are idols. They cannot help us. They cannot deliver us. They cannot forgive us. They cannot grant us eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, your dear son, we pray. Amen. I'm going to come to you from Luke chapter 22, beginning at verse 39. Jesus prays on the Mount of Olives. And it says that uh, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Because he knew what was about to happen. He, he knew that the soldiers were going to come and arrest him, etc. And he didn't want anything to happen to his disciples. So that the scriptures would be fulfilled that, that he had lost none of them. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing. Notice that, Father, if you are willing. So he never tried to have his own way. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, Lord. And that's what the, that's the point of this whole lesson. Not my will, Lord. See, we, we, being human, even being Christian, we want our will to be done because we're human, because we're basically selfish. But if we can get to the point where we say, Lord, not my will. Even though I want to do things my way, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I don't want such and such to happen. Lord, I don't like this situation that I'm in. Lord, I'm tired of such and such. Lord, I don't want to face such and such. But Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And it takes a very mature person. It takes a person who really knows and trusts God to say something like that and to really mean it. It's easier, of course, to say it. 
uh, than it is to mean it. And then the Bible says, after the Lord Jesus said that, it says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. See, Jesus, when we walked the earth, he was a man. He was the God man. He was God. He was totally God, but he was also totally man. With the, the, the only exception was there's no sin in his life. That's why he was able to be the sacrifice for our sins as he died on the cross. So it said an angel from heaven, because in, in one of the gospels, it says that he was praying as though it were great drops of blood, sweat as though it were great drops of blood falling from his body. And so it says in verse 43 of Luke 22, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, ministered on him. The Bible says that angels are ministering spirits. And so it says here, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. Here's the passage I was talking about. He prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he arose from prayer, he went back to the disciples. He found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. He keeps saying that because he knows what's, what's right ahead. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. I know one passage says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So that's why even as believers, we have to be careful. We want to do the will of God, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. The flesh is corrupt. The flesh is mortal. We want to do God's will. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so we see here that our Lord Jesus totally, and I emphasize the word totally, he totally submitted himself to God's will. Lord, if you are willing, and there's nothing wrong with asking, there's nothing wrong with asking that. Lord, you know, if you're willing, there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with that. Our relationship with God is, is one of um, where we can come to him and say, Lord, you know, if it be, if, you're, if you don't mind, if you're willing. Lord, if you are willing, take this cup from me, this cup. And again, he's not talking about a cup of something to drink. He's talking about that cup of sorrow that he was about to drink uh, at Calvary's cross. He says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And because he, he submitted himself totally to God's will, we know that if you read the rest of Luke or the rest of John, Matthew, or Mark, you, we know that he went to the cross. He suffered the brutality of what happened at Calvary. Uh, I'll read to you in Philippians. It talks about how Jesus totally submitted himself. I'm going to read to you. Two passages of Philippians, and then we'll close the lesson. The first, uh, the first one is concerning our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the Philippian Christians. And he says, uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, meaning a mind of humility, a mind of total submission to God's will. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, did you hear that? Who being in the form of God, talking about Jesus, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation. Here's, this is called the kenosis, where Jesus, where God became flesh in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So it says, who, Jesus being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. He did not exalt himself, but he took upon him the form of a servant. Some Bibles say, some Bibles say the word slave. He took upon him the form of a slave, of a servant, 
and he was made in the likeness of men. The Bible says he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He looked like just like any other Jewish man or boy of that time period. He made himself of no reputation. All of this was being done for you and for me because the Lord so loved us that he sent his son who willingly came and died on the cross for our sins. And God bodily raised him from the dead. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant or, or of a slave. And he was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man. Did you hear that? And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. We see that in the Garden of Gethsemane, in the Luke passage, in the Matthew passage, in the Mark passage. He humbled himself. Now listen to this. He became obedient unto death meaning total obedience. He didn't obey right up until the point of dying. He, he became obedient unto death. And then I like what Paul says here. He says, even the death of the cross, even the death of the cross. We can't begin to understand the cross because we weren't there and we read about it, etc. We can't begin to understand the horrors that Jesus faced at, at Calvary's cruel cross. Now why, was the, now, why was Jesus at the cross? Why was Jesus facing crucifixion? The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the price that had to be paid for our peace was upon him and by his stripes, by the flogging, the whipping, the beating, the humiliation that he took. The Bible says by his stripes we are healed. Now how are we healed? We're healed from the ravages of sin. For we were sick in sin, but because Jesus died at the cross, and God bodily raised him from the dead. The, the sickness of sin no longer has a stranglehold over us. We've been set free if we will accept it by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the Bible says here that he humbled himself. Father, not my will. Lord, take this cup away from me. Jesus had never experienced death. The Prince of Life, he had never experienced death. And here he was now about to experience not only death, but the most brutal death known to man, crucifixion, Roman crucifixion. It was so brutal and so degrading and so humiliating, the Romans didn't even crucify their own citizens. And here they're going to put this man, Jesus, they're going to hang him on a cross between heaven and earth as though he were fit for neither. Why is he on the cross for your sins and for my sins? He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes were healed from the ravages of sin. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Hallelujah. I like, I like the way the Holy Spirit uh, in, inspired Paul to say that. Not even the death of the cross. And when he wrote this, people would understand what he was saying because it was at that time period during Roman crucifixion. Even the death of the cross. Not just death. All death is, is uh, mind-boggling. Even the death of the cross. The humiliation, the degradation, uh, how Jesus was mocked and scorned and beaten and beaten beyond recognition. See, we get a picture... We see a picture that somebody painted, some artist painted some years ago. And we see this man on a cross and he's got a little trickle of blood coming down his forehead. And he's looking a little forlorn there. No, that's not the reality of Calvary. If you were ever or if I were to ever really find out what really happened at Calvary, the brutality, the humiliation, the scorn, the scorning, the flogging, the beating, the loss of blood, the shock. The Roman soldiers speared Jesus in his side. And the Bible says blood and water flowed out after Jesus had died on the cross. If we ever really understood what Jesus did for us, because God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We would have a different perspective about who Jesus is and what he did for us, even the death of the cross. But it didn't end there. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him. Hallelujah. 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 God has highly exalted him. He didn't, excuse me, excuse me. God did not leave Jesus in the grave. 
Had Jesus been an imposter, a false prophet, a jackleg, bootleg preacher, glory to God. Had Jesus been a jackleg, bootleg prophet, preacher, an imposter, a deceiver, as his enemies called him, God would have left him to rot in that, in that tomb, in that grave. But the Bible says God raised him from the dead. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him. The Bible says he, exa he has exalted him above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that's named in this world. And not only in this world, hallelujah, but in the world to come, the world that you're going to experience because you've trusted in Christ as your Savior. The world that I'm going to experience because I've trusted in Christ as my Savior. Not only in this world, the Bible says, or the, the word world can be translated in Greek, age. Not only in this age, but in the age to come. And because you love the Lord, because you've trusted in him for your salvation, you're going to be with him for eternity. He promised. Has he lied to you yet? No. Here's why. He cannot lie. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus. What name was that? Jesus. What name was that? Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God. That at the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow. Of things in heaven. And things in earth. Ooh. And things under the earth. Ooh. And that every tongue should confess. I pray that you've already confessed that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I pray that you've done that. To the glory of God the Father. Let me read that one more time. Then I'm going to read one more passage in Philippians. And then we'll close. If there be any consolation in Christ. This is Paul speaking to the Philippian Christians. He's trying to get them to take on the character of Christ. For you can be a Christian. You can be in the church. But you have to submit your will to the will of God in order to take on the character of Christ. It's not automatic. Being a mature Christian is not automatic. There has to be a meeting of the wills. Your will, my will, and God's will. There has to be. And if those two wills don't meet, you're not going to be, Jesus Christ is not going to be formed in you or in me. See, because we're Christians does not automatically mean we're going to be Christ-like. It's not automatic. It's not. In, in a fairy world, in a fairy tale world, it's automatic. But in the reality, in the real world, it's not automatic. You have to say, Lord, not my will be done. Because even though we're Christians, we still have that sinful nature within us that has to be put to death. We still have a sinful nature. If you don't believe me, then, then why, do, why do we still sometimes sin even as Christians? Because we still have that sinful nature that has to be put to death. And that putting to death of the sinful nature, we have to take part in it. We have to yield to God's will. Because we have a will. We have a will. God has a will. The Bible talks about in the same, uh, well, no, it's in Romans, it talks about doing the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And we have to submit to it. And we have to submit to it on a daily basis. And it's not automatic. It's not. If I, I would love to tell you it's automatic, but it's not. Because we're not robots. We're not automatons. Even though the Lord has saved us. Uh, even though the Lord has saved us, but we still have a will. And we have to submit to the will of God because our will still wants to sit on the throne of our heart. And that's where you'll get the immature Christian, the, what some people call the nominal, phenomenal Christian. 
The nominal Christian has n does not allow God to sit on the throne of his or her heart. That's the nominal Christian, the immature Christian. That's the person who's been saved 25, 30, 40 years, but yet is still a baby in Christ because they, they just refuse. <laughs> they just refuse to say, not my will, but your will be done. And, that, and when that refusal is there, Jesus Christ cannot be formed within us. So Paul says to these Philippian Christians, he says, Fulfill my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So you can tell there's, there's some strife in this church. There's some division in this church. And Paul, as the apostle to the Gentiles, as the apostle who founded many of these churches, He's appealing to them saying, if we're going to say we belong to Jesus, we're going to have to act like we belong to Jesus. He says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. In other words, let's not, let's not uh, have these spiritual competitions where we're competing against each other to see who's the, the BMOC, the big man on campus. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, he's using our Lord Jesus as an example. He says, but in lowliness of mind, remember the same Jesus who washed his disciples' feet. Jesus, who came down through 40 and two generations, washed his disciples' feet, which was the job of a slave. It was a job of a slave that when the master came home, the slave would wash the master's feet because in those days, you didn't have the super highways that we have today. And the, and the people's feet would often be dirty because they wore sandals and things like that. And their feet would be dirty. And so it was the job of the doulos, the slave, to wash the master's feet. And so Jesus washed Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Not a fake imitation, hallelujah. The Lord Jesus himself washed his disciples' feet. And he said, if I'm your Lord, and your Savior, and I'm washing your feet, you ought to do the same to one another. Now, he wasn't preaching there a doctrine of washing of feet. He was saying, you ought to humble yourselves. Because remember, the apostles wanted to be great. Remember, their, uh, their, their James and John's mother had come to Jesus and said, I want my, I want my boys to sit on <laughs> glory to God. Like any mother would, I want my boys to sit on your right hand and on your left hand in your glory, in your kingdom. So the, and they, and the apostles would often fight amongst each other about who was going to be the greatest. So that, 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 that desire to be up front was in them. Like, just like it's within us. And Jesus said, that's not the way of my disciples. You got to humble yourself. Uh, let nothing be done through strife or vain, vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, in lowliness of mind, not in uh, exalted mind, not getting a bad case of the big head, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Ooh, you mean I got to I gotta believe that others are better than I am? In a culture where we... We strive to be, you know, numero uno. I'm number one. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the first round draft pick, right? He says, "Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others." Then he says, "Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus." You a Christian? Then we have to take on the mind of Christ who being in the form of God, he thought it not robbery or something to be grasped to be equal with God. It was not something he felt he had to cling to. Uh, he, he, he knew who he was. That's the best way I can explain that passage. He knew who he was. He knew he was equal with God. He's the capital S-O-N, the son of God. He knew who he was. He didn't have to go around, you know, uh, pushing himself out forward. He knew who he was. But the Bible says, in spite of the fact that he knew he was equal with God, he made himself of no reputation. 
He took upon him the form of a servant, John 1.14, right? The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men. You hear that? He took upon himself the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men. The Bible says he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. Born of the Virgin Mary. Grew up. At age 30 began his ministry. John the Baptist baptized him. And for three years, he did the will of God. He submitted himself to uh, the laws of men, the laws of God, etc. And eventually he was betrayed by Judas Iscariot and turned over to the, the Jewish authorities who turned him over to the Roman authorities. And the Roman authorities under the pressure of, from the Jewish people, etc. And, and to fulfill scripture, prophecy, they crucified him. He made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient, listen to this, unto death. And then I just can't get over the way the Lord, the, 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 the Lord inspired Paul to say, even the death of the cross. You know when he said it like that, you know that had to be uh, something that he intended to emphasize, even the death of the cross, even the death of the cross. He hung between heaven and earth as though he were fit for neither. He hung between two thieves. Both of them railing, railing against him, but one of them came to his senses and said, Lord, we deserve to be here, but you don't. Lord, will you do me a favor? Because we're going to die on this, on this cross. When you, when you were put on the Roman cross, that's it. Yeah. There was no 14th Amendment to the Constitution and due process of law and impeachment trial. And No, no impeachment trial here. <laughs> Forget about it. When you were put on that cross, that show was over. Lord, will you, will you do me a favor? I know that we 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 deserve to be here, <clears throat> but you don't. Excuse me. <clears throat> Will you do me a favor, Lord? Will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Now here, this man, this thief, is talking to Jesus. Jesus is on the cross, just like they are. Jesus has been flogged, beaten. Uh, there are nails. There are spikes in his hands, in his feet. He's been, his beard has been plucked out. He's got a crown of thorns on his head. He does not look like he's on the winning team. And this man has to get a, he had to get that revelation from heaven because you cannot accept Jesus unless you get a revelation from heaven. It ha you cannot accept Jesus on your own. You can't. You can't accept Jesus because you decide one day, oh, I think I'll accept Jesus. You have to have that uh, illumination from God Almighty. You can't. Jesus said, no man can come to me except the spirit of my father draw him up and I will raise him up at the last day. You cannot come to Jesus on your own. Salvation is purely a work of the grace of God. You cannot. You cannot. Jesus said to Peter whom do, and the other apostles, whom do men say that I am? Oh, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Jeremiah or Elijah, one of the prophets. Well, who do you say that I am? Oh, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon. Talking to Peter. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my father who's in heaven. So if you're saved, and I'm speaking to myself too, if you're saved, don't you ever dare think that it's because you. <laughs> no, no, no. It's because God has opened the eyes of our understanding. Paul said that in Philippi, in Ephesians chapter 1. He said that the Lord has opened the eyes of our understanding. It's purely a work of grace. 
I know the Bible says you have faith in Jesus. Even that is a work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. It's purely by grace. And that bothers a lot of people because a lot of people want to believe they had something to do with their salvation. A lot of people want to, they want to boast just a little bit. Can I boast just a little bit? No, no. For by grace you are saved. Grace, G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. No, there's no boasting. You cannot boast. If the Lord did not open the eyes of our understanding, if you read in Acts, I believe it's chapter 16, there's a woman named Lydia, a seller of purple. And the Bible says the Lord opened her heart. Because the Lord has to open our hearts. There's no boasting on that. I cannot boast. You know, look what I did. No, it's purely a work of, of the grace of God. For the, the Bible says the grace of God brings salvation. Teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldliness. The grace of God brings salvation. God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. And so this thief on the cross, he gets a revelation. He gets a revelation from heaven. It had to be. For how do you look at a man hanging next to you? A man who's been beaten beyond recognition. A man who has been beaten to a bloody pulp. A man who has been flogged and beaten to within an inch of his life. How do you look at that man and say, remember me when you come into your kingdom? Unless you know that he's going to rise from the dead. Because Jesus is on the cross. And this man, this thief says, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. Meaning, I know you're on the cross, Jesus, but this is not the end of the story. Glory to the Lamb of God. If that doesn't excite you, I can't help you. I can't help you. If that doesn't excite you, if that doesn't get you excited about the Lord, there's nothing else I can say. Lord, remember me. I'm, I deserve to be on this cross because I'm a sinner all defiled. But Lord, will you take this sin, this sin away from me and own me as your child? Glory to the Lamb of God. Remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, not a problem. Glory to the Lamb of God. Not a problem. I say to you today, you shall be with me in paradise. Glory to the Lamb of God. Do you see how, how that grace of God and how free salvation is. Do you see that? He was saved purely by God's grace. God it opened the eyes of his understanding so that he would know that this Jewish man, this Jewish rabbi on the cross next to him is the king of kings. Because he said, remember me when you come in your kingdom. Not the Roman kingdom, not the kingdom of the Caesars. Remember me, Lord, when you come in your kingdom kingdom. So this man on the cross, this thief on the cross, he's prophesying both the resurrection of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. Glory to the Lamb of God, if we would just get that. God, wherefore, Jesus, he, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But the story didn't end there. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth. Let me ask you this question, and I'm going to close in a minute. I'll, I'll take up this other Philippians passage on Sunday. Let me ask this question. Have you bowed your will to the will of God in Christ? Have you bowed your will? I know you're a Christian. I know you go to church. I know you're a good Baptist or a good Pentecostal or a good Methodist. I know you're a good Episcopalian or a good Presbyterian. I know you've got all the trappings of good religion. I know 
You you you're faithful. You give. I know. You 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 show up on Sundays, etc. Wednesdays, whenever. I know. But have you bowed? Have you bowed your will? Have you said, Lord, not my will for the rest of my life, but your will? No matter what, Lord. Come hell or high water, come good, bad, whatever. Have you bowed your will? Can God put you on the Isle of Patmos like John ended up on the Isle of Patmos? The Bible says for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Can God put you on the Isle of Patmos? Can he, can he isolate you? Or do you always have to be around the people? Can God isolate you? Can God call you to do a, a, a special work like he did the apostles? The word apostle means sent one. Can God send you? Can God trust you to do his will and not be caught up in your own will? Can God trust you to allow tribulation to come in your life knowing that tribulation works patience? Patience experience and experience hope. And hopes make hope makes not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given unto us. Have you bowed your will? Not my will, Lord. Lord, I want to do my will. I do. I want to do my will, Lord. But Lord, my will has got me into so much trouble. My will is worthless. It's vain. It's, it's vainglorious. Remember Paul said, don't get caught up in vainglory. My will is vainglorious, Lord. Not my will, Lord. Glory to the Lamb of God. This is the mature church. This is the mature Christian. This is the mature church. This is the mature Christian. This is a mature church that says, Lord, not our will. Lord, we're not going to fight. Lord, we're not going to be in all these old fights over what color the carpet should be in the church and who's going to be the biggest and best preacher and all these fights that are going on in the churches. We're not going to, Lord, we're going to do your will because you're the head of the church. We're the body. And the head is supposed to control the body because you're the brains of the outfit, Lord. That's, the, that's a mature church. That's a mature church that can reach the lost with power and authority, with gifts of, and fruit of the Holy Spirit. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Glory to the Lamb of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save that Philippians passage. I wanted to go into Philippians chapter 3 tonight, but I'll save that for Sunday. I think I'll, if the Lord allows, I'll close this lesson on the gospel according to the Garden of Gethsemane. I think I'll close it on Sunday in Philippians chapter 3. That's what, If you read Philippians chapter 3, that's where Paul talks about what a big man on campus he was before he met Jesus. A Jew of the Jews, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a scholar who had sat at the feet of Gamaliel and who had all these uh, accolades and degrees on his wall. and He had all the, all the attainments of the world. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a son of a Pharisee, a Hebrew, a, a, a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin. You know, the tribe of Benjamin... That was the warrior tribe. That was the nut till you nut tribe. That was the that was the nucking tribe, you know. That was the fight. That was the nut nut till you buck tribe. He said, I had it all. And if you read Philippians 3, he says, But all those things that I had, I counted but garbage, dung, refuse, waste, for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord. He said, I, all those things that I thought were so important. And we all go through that. We think certain things are very important until we learn that they're not. He said, I thought those things were so important. And when this man named Jesus came along, I thought that he was threatening to take those things away from me. And so I joined in the party of those who persecuted Christians. Remember, Paul was, before he got saved, he was a big persecutor of Christians. And he was on the road to Damascus, Syria, with letters to the chief priests so he could continue persecuting God's church. When Jesus said, that's enough, I've had enough. 
And he, Jesus blinded Paul by his transcendent glory. Blinded him to the point that he was blinded. <laughs> Knocked him off his beast. And Paul is you're wondering what in the world is going on. And Jesus says, Saul, because Paul was, Paul was a dual citizen. He was a Hebrew, that's his name, Saul, but he was also a Roman citizen. That's where we get his name, Paul. And Jesus said, Saul, he called him by his Hebrew name, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That just shows how closely Jesus identifies with us. Because Paul was, he was, he was persecuting Christians on earth. And Jesus called out from heaven, why are you persecuting me? Why are you hating on me? Why are you throwing me under the bus? Why, why, are, you, why are you throwing, uh, what, what's, what does the rapper say? Why are you throwing disrespect on my name? And, and, and Saul said, Lord, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the prick. The gold, is, he was saying it's like an animal that keeps kicking against its owner. The animal doesn't want to obey and plow the field, but it wants to kick against what its owner is trying to do. And Jesus said, it's hard for you to kick against the prick. Lord, what would you have me to do? Saul said, I'm, I'm, and Jesus said, in essence, I'm going to tell you what to do. And the men led Saul to a house. And Saul was blinded and without food and water for three days. And then Jesus called a disciple named Ananias, said, go lay hands on Saul. Ananias said, no, no, it's a bad man with jammer. I've heard about men from many that he's persecuting your church. And Jesus said, I don't want to hear the excuses. Go and lay hands on him because I've called him to do my will. I've called him to submit his will to my will. Now go lay hands on him like I told you to do. And Ananias went. I'm sure he's trembling. He goes into the house. He lays his hands. He says, Saul, brother Saul. The Lord, even Jesus, has called you that you might know the just one and that you might be a witness and that you might preach this gospel unto the Gentiles and unto the children of Israel. And so Saul ends up being such a zealous apostle, sent one for Jesus. He ends up writing about half the New Testament. New Testament has 27 books. Paul ends up writing about 13, 14 of those New Testament books. He becomes the apostle to the Gentiles. He becomes the one who gets the revelation of the mystery of the church. If you read in Ephesians, especially chapter 3. He who persecuted the church now builds the church. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter is the apostle to the Jews. Peter opens the doors to the Jews in Acts 2 and to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. And then pretty much after Acts chapter 10 and 11... We see mostly Paul, Paul's ministry through the rest of the book of Acts, through chapter 28. Not to diminish Peter, but to show that the gospel is universal, not just for the Jew, but for the Gentile. All because Paul eventually said, not my will, but your will be done. If we want to live the life of a true Christian, a mature Christian, a mature church, and I know we do, many of us do, not, not, not all, but many of us do. I do, and I believe you do. You got to say, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Because if, if we're going to be Christians, but yet we're going to live the, the, the same life that we lived before we became Christians, what, what, is the, what is the point? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for allowing us to mention your name. In the name of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to whom be glory, power, majesty, and dominion, both now and forever. Lord, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We glorify you, we praise you. We ask that you help us, Lord, that you break us, Lord, that you break our will, that we will submit to your will. Not our will, Lord, not as we will, but let your good, acceptable, and perfect will be done. We bless you and praise you through Jesus Christ, your Holy Son. We pray that as a result of this preaching and teaching, that, and, the, and the result of preaching and teaching all over the world, that fruit and gifts 
of the Holy Spirit will be manifested according to your good, acceptable, and perfect will. Help us, Lord. Help us to stop being so self-oriented. Help us, Lord, to humble ourselves, to not seek vain glory. Help us, Lord, to be less like ourselves, more like your dear Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom we glory, power, majesty, and dominion. Glory to the Lamb of God. Thank you, Lord, for giving us eternal life through what you did at, at Calvary's cruel cross. Hallelujah. Thank you for eternal life. We shall be with you forever. Not because of anything we've done, for we, we, we claim no, no, no part in the work of salvation. It's purely a work of your, of your grace. Purely a work of your grace. Even the faith that we had in you is a work of, the, of your grace in our hearts. And we bless you and we praise you and we thank you for allowing us just to call on your name, the name of your dear son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to whom be glory, power, majesty, and dominion, both now and forever. Lord, bless your people who are listening and shall listen. Bless their families. Bless them on their jobs. Bless their finances. Bless their relationships. Bless them, Lord. Open the eyes of their understanding to your word. Help them to have a hunger for your word. Help them to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Help them, Lord, to submit their will to yours. Well, we know it is a struggle. Help them, Lord, by Jesus Christ. Bless them, Lord, for taking the time out to listen to your servant as I did my best, Lord, to speak the truth of the gospel. And by Jesus, your holy Son, glory, power, majesty, and dominion, kingdom be, be to his name forever. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, my beloved. I'm going to come to you again on Sunday. I'm going to come and go into that, that Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to go into that on Sunday morning. Where Paul says, I had it all. <laughs> but I had nothing until I had Jesus. Glory to the Lamb of God. We're going into that. So if you're not already obligated somewhere on Sunday morning, we're going to come to you at 10 a.m. talking about the gospel. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The gospel according to the Garden of Gethsemane. Glory. Not my will, Lord. Take this cup. I'm tired of this, Lord. I'm tired of this stuff in my life, Lord. Take it. Take it, Lord. Take this cup. I'm tired. I'm tired. Don't you get tired? Don't you get tired of... Don't you get tired and tired of... Take it. But sometimes he's not going to take it. Because he's... he's, he's fold. He's molding us into the image of his dear son. And until we recognize that, there's some stuff he's not going to take. I don't care how many formulas you, you know, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. There's some stuff he's not going to take. Because he's, 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 he's the potter and you're the clay. There's some stuff he's not going to take. There's some stuff he's not going to change. And the sooner we realize that, the better off. He's not going to change. There's some stuff he's not going to change. Because he's molding us into the image of his dear son. Paul said in that same Philippian letter, 1 and 6, and then I'll close. Paul said, I'm, I'm confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You, did you hear that? He who has begun a good work in you, Paul said, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he's performing that work in us. But part of that is, there's, stuff, there's some stuff he's not going to change. He's not going to take out of your life. You are not going to go to heaven on a flower bed of ease. <laughs> you ain't going to do it. It ain't going to happen. Even the thief who accepted Jesus on the cross. Remember, the Romans had this sadistic habit of when you were on the cross, they would come around and break your legs. Because when they came to Jesus, he was already dead and they didn't break his legs, which fulfilled scripture that says not a bone of the lamb from Exodus chapter 12. Not a bone of the lamb shall be broken. So they didn't break Jesus' legs because he was already dead when they came to him. But even the thief who accepted Jesus, the thief on the cross, before he went to heaven, 
The Roman soldier shattered his legs. Have you seen the movie Misery? Remember she broke that off his ankles? Okay. So even before the thief went to heaven, he had to be broken. Glory to the Lamb. Glory to the Lamb. The Roman soldier came and the thief was still alive. Both of the thieves were still alive. Broke their legs. So even though the thief accepted Jesus and was saved by purely by grace, but before he exited this world, he had to be broken. Glory to the Lamb of God. I'm going to shut up because I'll talk to you 4 o'clock in the morning if, if, you, if, if I don't catch myself. Hallelujah. He was broken. And you got to be broken. I got to be broken. My will has to be broken. Otherwise, I'm no use to God. I'm just, I'm, I'm a vessel of, of, of dishonor. I'm, I'm just a vessel. Paul said in the great house, there are vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. And the vessels of honor are the vessels that God sanctifies. And makes our worthy for his use. And I'm gonna be quiet because I'll 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 be in this Philippians. I'll be y'all be in the bed. It'll be four o'clock in the morning and I'll still be talking. Glory <laughs> to God. God bless you, my beloved. You have a good weekend. And uh I'm gonna come back on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you can be with us, if you can't be with us because you're already obligated somewhere else. Bathe us in prayer. Will you do that? Bathe us in prayer. Bathe us in prayer. Bathe us in prayer. If you have any questions, 706-248-7053. Our email address is jcolm, the numbers 5 and 7, at gmail.com. J-C-O-L-M, the numbers 5 and 7, at gmail.com. If you'd like, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to book me for a speaking engagement. God bless you, my beloved. You take care. We love you. God loves you. That's why you're saved. Glory to God. The only reason you're saved is because God loves you. That's the only reason. And it was his grace that said, okay. All he asks is that you trust in his son, Jesus, who he is. And the fact that he died at Calvary's cruel cross for our sins. And God bodily raised him from the dead. Salvation is free. Because Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. Look at that crimson. Sin had left a crimson stain. He has washed it. It's white as snow. I'm out of here because I'm going I'm to I'm I'm keep running my mouth. Glory to the Lamb of God.